0: and welcome to the Well-Read Podcast, a bi-weekly discussion on books and reading. I'm Hallie. And I'm Anne. And we are librarians who love to read and talk about books. And today we are discussing our 2024 reading resolutions, looking back on our 2023 reading resolutions, and then talking about 2023 superlatives. We did our Best Books episode last time, and our superlatives episode is always a fun way to Talk about some more books, I think, that uh, Mm -hmm. surprised us or we were disappointed in or whatever. So slightly
1: different from our favorites, but still fun to talk about. Yeah, it's super fun to think about it differently, of here are things that didn't make the top 10 but still need mentioning, or things that it's also, I mean, we try to be really, really uh, positive throughout the year, and it's a little bit fun to (laughs) sort of admit some of our reading disappointments I think for for the year although as I was doing my my list I was I was like but which to pick from of my disappointments I had I had really good books this year but the books I didn't like I really didn't like really
0: I had a hard time with my least favorite when we get there I'll talk a little bit about that yeah but I think I've gotten so much better at giving up books that I'm not enjoying Mm -hmm. that I don't often have books that I truly don't like because I would just stop reading them if that were the case
1: yeah, I'm not there yet, unfortunately. No, next I know. year I'll be to that point and of not having to read like power through things I don't like. Right, but right, I'm Looking right. forward to it. All right. Before we get
0: into that though, let's let's look back. Do you remember? Did you have reading resolutions in
1: 2023? I really, I don't think I. So, admittedly, I didn't go back and listen because <laughs> I'm lazy, um, and so I don't remember if I had something specific and I normally enjoy going back to listening to listen to that. But during the, the committee stuff, as you know well yourself, it is just sort of keep my head above right. water is is my resolution. So assuming that I probably would have said something about how I organize my my reading mm-hmm. and it felt like it was a little bit just haphazard <laughs> this year. <laughs> yeah, I I think I think no.
0: So yeah I, I have to admit I did not go back and listen either because I had family in town until <laughs> until yesterday and we're recording this next <laughs> morning but I was reflecting and I, I'm pretty sure I caught all of the ones I had last year. The ones that I remembered were that I was going to post book reviews on Instagram which I still did that although I think I talked about doing every single book that I read that I would have a review on Instagram which I did not end up doing and I it was a It was an intentional choice, not a fell off the (laughs) the resolution Mm -hmm. train. which was a lot of the three-star books that I read, three-and-a-half-star books, I just didn't have that much to say about them. Yeah. And I read a lot. And so I felt like that was just clutter to add those when I didn't really have much to say. And yes, I might recommend them as a fun read, but those would be more conversations I would have with people one-on-one where I would say, Mm -hmm. oh, you might like this particular book versus Instagram more just, you know, talking into the void of saying, this is my book review. So about midway through the year, I'm guessing I started really focusing on my four and five star books that I really, really liked, or the books that I Mm -hmm. didn't like. Because I know you particularly love it when I don't like a book. And so I do. I love it. (laughs) But generally, I would post, I would finish a book, and I'd be really excited about it. And those are the ones that I would then go and write a review on Instagram. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So this was a sort of a resolution that kind of morphed throughout the year. So I don't necessarily feel like I didn't hit the res- I didn't hit the goal yeah. but at the same time I don't know that I cared about the goal anymore as the year went yeah, on. Yeah you shouldn't right? need to hold right. into
1: to something that isn't what you want right. it to
0: be. Um, the next one I failed miserably. I, <laughs> I had 23 and 23 <laughs> which was 23 books I hoped to read in 2023 from my bookshelves and I did about I did halfway through the year, same thing. I did. I was doing two books a month and I was on track, and then I hit summer, and for some reason over the summer I was just very much reading what sounded good to me, and I would look at that bookshelf, and i think none of those sound good to me right now, so I'll wait, mm-hmm. and I just, as the months went by, I never picked any of them up, and so then, again, in the fall I just sort of thought, yeah, I think I'm gonna put that project aside. I don't think that's gonna happen by the end of the year, Oh, interesting. So I still have all those books. I still hope to read them at some point, but I have decided not to do a 24 and 24. I'm going to focus on a, some different ways of trying to read backlist books in 2024. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, I failed miserably. I think I read 12 <laughs> or 13 of those. So then another one I was doing was I am working my way through the Women's Fiction Prize shortlists and winners. I'm still working on that. I don't I don't know offhand how many I read, but I did read a few. I started, I was doing it chronologically, so I went back to the first year that the prize existed. I was having to get them through interlibrary loan a lot of the oh, time. Wow. Yeah, because they're just, my library tends to not keep older books. They yeah. buy a lot of the newer books. So, so it was very dependent on when they were arriving. So then I started kind of hopscotching around the years. And like my book club picked one of the books from a more recent year just coincidentally, so I read that. So I'm Mm -hmm. working my way through this. There are a lot of books that I have to get my way make my way through, but this still is an ongoing project that I will carry over into this year and probably future years. But (laughs) I kind of liked doing it chronologically, because you can see in that in my theory there was if I started back at the beginning of the award, you could see the evolution of what topics were covered and what people or thinking about or talking about yeah. how, how writing had changed um, yeah. so I still kind of want to do that but it's just it's so much is dependent on for those earlier years because I think the first year was 1996 or 97 and so my library just doesn't have a lot of those books anymore. Mm-hmm. My last one I did pretty well on this one which was alternating reading books I own with library books to try to get through some of the books that I own and I consider that to be both physical books that are on my shelve, shelves but also books on my Kindle that I have as an advanced reader's copy. So I did, I did Mm -hmm. a good job with that. And I read, I've talked about this. I know I read mostly on my Kindle at night before bed. So that was a good way too of, I always have something going that's been on my Kindle as an ARC. So it might not be an ARC in the sense that it's still to be published, but it is on my Kindle as something that I I own. So I did pretty well with that. I think I'm going to continue doing that. There was a portion of the year where I was alternating library book, physical book I own, and ARC, Mm -hmm. digital ARC. But I kind of stopped that because I always have that Kindle book going. So then that didn't work. I don't know, I just figured I didn't really need to make that effort to insert the digital ARC because I always had one going. But I'm gonna Mm -hmm. try to continue that so I can work my way through. Uh, my physical shelves, and that's it. I think I don't remember any other ones. If I did say other ones, I certainly didn't stick with them because I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't. get Did do that? What about twenty twenty four? Do you have any goals?
1: So my biggest, the thing I, I have noticed over the past three years of of this committee, and I'm, I'm going into my last year, um, and so I really want to stick it, like stick the landing this <laughs> yes. year is is my plan. Um, I, one of the things I've noticed is that I tend to really jump in until like a month into the into the committee. And so um so like that first month I'll sort of be like, Well, we're just not really like we haven't received any books yet. Right, I'm, yeah. Like it's I'm all not free time. Yeah, and I'm I'm not gonna like try to read ahead and I just and then I get to the to the end of the year and one of the the rules that we have is that you need to read the books that you request because we don't want people to just request like crazy and then not have any like mechanism right. to ensure that they're not just donating those books to like doing it to donate books to to their libraries or um, and we're getting thousands of dollars of free books from publishers and so we want to honor the fact that publishers are being very generous with their with their books and so and so they're So I get to the end of the year and it always becomes a question of do I read the books like like before it gets into actual judging periods. Do I do I read the books? Do I try to read ahead for the judging um, stuff because I know it's going to be really, really difficult at that point? Or do I read the books that I requested because I have to read them? Right. And it always feels like this very fraught I'm super stressed out just to get books read that I know I'm not going to nominate because I already have nominations and but they have to get looked at right. like it, like that's part of the agreement and so and so I don't like being in that position <laughs> I don't like <laughs> feeling that way so my goal for this year is to just start February 1st is the beginning of our year mm-hmm. and so my goal is is to think of February 1st as the beginning and I've got plenty 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 of of arcs on my Kindle I can 100% start diving right. in to this, and there's really no excuse for me to say, "Oh, I'm going to just wait until I have physical books arriving because I I don't like how that makes my right. year play out." Right. So, so that's my primary goal, and I kind of tend to do the same thing after. So, our our first judging month is in June. I tend to after that is that's done and we just go back into looking for books to nominate. Mm-hmm. I tend to say, "Oh, well, I'm going to read something else just off of my shelf or or maybe something that isn't that that is a new release from this year, but which is is one of the books that I did this year that I know is not going to be nominated because it's it's something that needs uh it doesn't stand alone as it was uh, Hellbent was right. the book that that was that I was super excited about, but I'm like there's there's no way we're ever going to nominate this because um, it's so dependent on the first book in the series. And so I read that, but I really took my time with <laughs> it. And so then I was, I was like, oh wow, it's, it's towards the end of July now and I'm still not really reading for the committee again. Yeah. And so I need to just uh, amend my thinking yeah. a little bit and not make things like recognize that while it seems like I have plenty of time and it is a lot of time to go through it this over a year, mm it still is making my life harder mm-hmm. when it comes down to those, those final months versus the people that I know that are like, I've finished this, yeah. all my books before and now I'm just reading for fun until it's time for discussions. That's, that's never been my experience, yeah. so. And I will say a bit of unsolicited commentary, which yeah. is
0: my experience and then the outgoing chairs experience this year, I know, is you are so eager to be done by the time you are getting mm-hmm. to close to the final discussions that the best thing you can do for yourself is be done with the reading and not have to mm-hmm. cram in a bunch right before discussions you're just mentally right. to the point where you are so ready to be yeah 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 you're just starting to think about all the books you want to read that aren't committee reading and so it really is a gift to yourself to be able to to get to some point whatever that negligible point is and say oh I don't I'm done I I'm yeah. I've completed my reading Now I can just focus on the discussions and the voting and the final list, but I'm getting to start reading to read what I want to read.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, and especially because because of the as the chair, I'll have I'll have things I can't read up until the night before discussions in ways that I've been able to do before because I have stuff I have to get ready for discussions. And so so I have to be very aware of like you need to sort of set an arbitrary due date for yourself. To have these books read any others
0: no no that's, that's a good one i think that's a good one all right so i have a few my main one is just to enjoy reading as much as i can just read the <laughs> stuff that feels like i'm loving reading read you know sp- spend my time reading books i really love and not the books that are just okay to me that's sort of an overall goal that i have and then i do have a few more specific ones. One is I have two books that I want to make sure I read this year. One is The Covenant of Water by Abraham Burghazy, which he is an author that I loved his previous work that I read. I pre-ordered this book the Covenant of Water and it arrived and it was so big and it was so intimidating <laughs> so I never got around to it um, but I definitely want to prioritize reading that and then also I am reading Lonesome Dove with uh, oh, From yeah, no, the Front which that. I read when I was in high school and really yeah, loved yeah. Um, and they are reading it in From the Front Porch podcast which I've talked about before they have a Patreon where they conquer a classic is what what's it, what it's called and they pick a book and read it throughout the year so you have in January, I think we read chapters one through seven, and then another you know, seven, eight chapters the next month. And so it takes you through October. So I'm going to try to read along with that. I, I've, I don't think I've ever read that way before. Mm-hmm. Usually I just start a book and read it straight through, but I'm going to try to stay on track with that schedule and see if I like it. I don't know if I will, mm-hmm. but I think that would be fun to try. And then I have two areas that I would like to read more of these types of books. One is historical fiction, which I talked about in my favorite books episode. That I love historical fiction, but for some reason I tend to not pick it up. So one goal is to read more of that, and the other one is to do more audiobooks. I have gotten away from reading as many oh, audiobooks as I used to. I've really started listening to podcasts more, but I always love audiobooks. So that's another goal I have is to, to listen to more audiobooks, and then my last one is to try to read. My book of the month picks, I love book of the month. That's such a fun thing to me to get those emails that say, it's time to pick out your books this month. And I Mm -hmm. go in and you can do add-ons. So you have one primary book that you can pick, but then you can do add-ons. And so each month this year, I ended up adding usually more than one, not always, but, and so I have kind of a backlog. My goal is to clear out my book of the month shelf and get those all read. And try to stay more on top of that. So those are mine. And then some of the ones that I mentioned from last year that I'm kind of carrying over to this year. But really I, I don't like to put tons of restrictions on my reading because I want mm-hmm. it to be fun. I want it to yeah. be enjoyable. And so these are these are ones that I think will enhance my reading life, but not make it feel like homework.
1: Yeah. I think that sounds that those sound great. Okay, good. All right, <laughs> let's get
0: into our superlatives. I love this. The first cat so if you've not listened to our superlatives or any I know other podcasts do this too. This is our categories of books that were notable in some way. And we will talk about why they were notable for that category. So our first category is most timely book. What was your most timely book you read?
1: I picked Spare by Prince Harry because this was the year of the royal coronation yeah. of in England. and. I thought that, um, which I think I've mentioned before, I was in London that day and it was bonkers. It was one of the, the most insane things I've ever seen of just seeing all these people coming together for this event. And it was raining. I walked like 22,000 steps that day. Oh my gosh. It, was, it was bonkers, but it was... One of the most exhausting days of ever, but it was also because I had flown in that morning from from the U.S. Oh so gosh. I was so exhausted, but I'm really, really glad we decided to go downtown. Do they call it downtown? I don't think they I don't do, think they do, but I know what you yeah, mean. Yeah. You know what I mean, and experience that. So, so it definitely was was a little bit more prominent in my mind. I think um, as being just such a huge event of this this turning over mm-hmm. from from one. Uh, monarch that most people had had only experienced that one to a new one Mm -hmm. Um, and and spare I think sits in such an interesting place because I as I was watching this and loving it I still kept thinking but what's it all right and I think that spare really captures that question and and I think that not just in terms of monarchy but in terms of the way that we're thinking about a lot of institutions Mm -hmm. right now of but why right is the, the prominent question I think that, that lots of people have. And so it's, it's just like the fact that this book exists all on its own is yeah. so insane. And something five years ago, I could never have imagined that a, a royal, like the, the son of a king mm-hmm. would write a tell all about, <laughs> about the family. And so it just is, it feels very of the moment to me yes. of, for that reason. So So that's my pick. Um, and then you picked something drastically different, yes. which I'm very curious about.
0: So I picked Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros. So it's interesting, I looked back at the last few most timely picks that I had made, and there were uh-huh. definitely more reflections of what was going on in the world, but this is a, right. this is yeah, a reflection yeah. of what was happening in the reading world, which yes. is this book blew up last spring, late spring, early summer, and hasn't really slowed down. The sequel came out in November, I think, and there was lots of anticipation for that one. I feel like I got one of the last copies of Fourth Wing that were printed before it went out of stock everywhere, so I feel like I Mm -hmm. slid in just at the very tail end of the beginning of the excitement, if that makes sense. (laughs) Like, I was hearing enough about it to get it, but I didn't know much about it at that point, and I didn't know how big it was going to be. So that, that felt most timely to me as far as of the moment that I've read in recent memory or certainly this year. And I didn't, when I looked at my reading, there there weren't very many books I read that felt like discussions of what was going on right now. There were a few books yeah. I read that were pandemic settings, but even that now doesn't feel timely, necessarily, just feels like yeah. a, a result of the fact that these books were written in the last few years, and we had a pandemic. So, so yeah, Re- Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros felt just like I was reading a book in the moment that everybody was talking about a book, and that that doesn't happen to me that often. So,
1: Yeah, that that's really interesting you said that, because there are a few books that I had. I, I knew Spare was my number one pick, but there were a couple of books I was going to also mention, and I thought, is this timely, or is this... It's still timely because, like, they were usually things about racism and 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 fights for equal rights and and that's still incredibly timely. But it also is not as like, oh my gosh, we're right. this reckoning right and in, that's so fresh in our minds that that and having to shift our thinking so much right now. Mm-hmm. It's it's more that we've been sitting with that for a couple of years, and so I ended up taking those off just because it felt like. Yeah, this was timely two years ago when this book was published, but but now it's not quite as it doesn't it doesn't like pop as something that happened this year. So All
0: right. Next up we have most disappointing and your first one I agree with wholeheartedly.
1: Yeah. We, I love that we just go straight into the negative with this. It's so fun.
0: <laughs> this is so not me and not my personality
1: to focus on the negative. My first pick was The Cloisters by Katie Hayes. I was so excited for this book. I think I even said when we did our preview episode that it was my most anticipated book of that season because it just it sounded so perfect for me. Mm-hmm. I love dark academia. I love New York stuff. Um, had this this a little bit of a uh fantasy sort of tinge to to this there it's dealing with tarot and mm-hmm. the history of tarot and it just sounded all mysterious and it just was so slow mm-hmm. and so interested in thinking about the the character's like self-reflections on on her place in the world and her future and and then it tried to throw in sort of a uh thriller twist at the mm-hmm. end and it just it mm-hmm. it did not work at all for me and despite having such a gorgeous cover it did not work um and then my second pick was under lock and skeleton key by Gigi uh, Pandian and this is one where it's a puzzle mystery it's a cozy mystery and it's it's supposed to be a family who create secret staircases and and sort of secret passages they they have a architecture business and that's the type of house that they design, and then all the things that can happen that come along with having secret passages <laughs> in someone's house. And um, and it's an Indian American family. And I I just thought this is perfect. and then uh, And then just really didn't like the writing style oh. and thought that it incorporated too many pieces to, in an effort to have sort of a well-rounded character, it had all these different parts that were coming together that just made me keep getting distracted mm. from the the actual mystery. Um, and so I actually read the sequel, too, for, for the committee and had all the same issues. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I was really hoping it was just a first book, getting this established kind of deal, but it was the same mm. thing in the second ones. So I was, I was super bummed about that, because everything about it should have been, this is a perfect book for me. Oh, right. well, that's a shame. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with
0: you. Like I mentioned about the cloisters, it's just a... The execution fell so flat for me, and it was just like, why? this could have been so good, and it just was boring, I thought, just really kind of boring. Okay, so my first one, and I hate to say this because this ended up on a lot of people's favorites list, it was Happiness Falls by Angie Kim, and I want to say this is not a bad book in my mind. I'm not saying it was awful or anything or even that I didn't, that I'm mad I read it or anything like that. It just was disappointing. I really liked her first book, Miracle Creek. I thought it was interesting and very engaging. The problem for me with Happiness Falls was I did not like the main character and the, who's basically narrating the story. I found her very difficult to connect with, which I think was partially on purpose, but it just left me feeling disappointed. Again, I'm not saying this is a bad book. I just read it, and I thought, I want to be liking this book more than I am. The other thing is I felt like it very much felt as though the author had done a lot of research on some medical medical issues and sort of treatment or, or various things and just stuffed those in in ways that didn't feel organic to the story. Felt very much mm-hmm. to me like, hey, look at all this research I did. I know what I'm talking about when I talk about these aspects of this character, mm. if that makes yeah. sense. Sort of like when you read historical fiction and you feel like facts are just stuffed in. That's how I felt about it. So it just, it didn't feel like a cohesive, good reading experience to me. So that was a disappointing reading experience. It won't keep me from reading her next book because I think she does do interesting things with sort of medical conditions and like a mystery thriller element to the story. So I'll keep reading her. I'll give her probably another book before I would decide one way or the other of whether she's an author for me or not but this just felt disappointing the other one was romantic comedy by Curtis Sittenfeld again a lot of people loved this book for me it was truly just disappointing I like Curtis Sittenfeld's other work I was so excited for this book and I felt ultimately like it was just sort of a mediocre rom-com and I felt Mm. like because she's a typically literary fiction writer it was almost like she was elevating the rom-com format but the rom-com format is fine as it is it doesn't need to be elevated it is good because of what it is and so there were aspects of this book i really liked the whole middle section is epistolary i love epistolary books it's set at least partially on a show modeled after saturday night live that was really interesting but overall if she's trying to write a romantic comedy it failed as a romantic comedy for me. I didn't, mm. there were just, I could go on and on about the aspects I didn't like about this book. So that was really disappointing to me. I felt like it could have been so great. And I also feel like there are better rom-coms that cover the same territory, but she's the one yeah. who gets the attention because people know her name. And that was yeah, disappointing yeah. to me. So I have lots of <laughs> lots of ambivalent feelings about this book. But yeah, that was, that was probably more than Happiness Falls Romantic Comedy was my top disappointment of the year yeah
1: that's i know you you had said that to me when you were reading it that's a bummer Mm -hmm. okay did you reread books this year what was your favorite reread i only reread one (laughs) and it was great it was ninth house by lee bardugo and i read it as i i said um i i read uh, hellbent uh, which came out i think in january of last of last year Mm -hmm. and then finally had time to get to it in um after we finished um one of our judging rounds in, in June, and so I think that I was, I think that what happened. I listened to this one, which I, I read in print the first time, and then and then reread it as an audiobook, um, and I th- so I think that I was trying to make sure that I got it in, mm-hmm. and, and so I was reading print books and then listening to this. So reading print for, book for, for the print books for the committee and listening to this on the side, as a illicit forbidden, non-sanctioned book, um, and, and very, very much enjoyed it. It was just as, as enjoyable to me as the first time around. Um, it, it's a very, there's a lot of detail in this book, so I think that I was really happy that I had read it first mm-hmm. um, because I don't know that, that driving and, and sort of the things that you do as you're listening to audiobooks would have really suited mm-hmm. my brain as well, But um, but yeah, it was great. So how about you?
0: Yes. So <laughs> I reread a lot this year, actually. And it was so fun to revisit some books that I've liked. I reread for various reasons, either just because I wanted to or my book club picked a book and I thought, well, it's been a long time since I read it originally. I'll reread it. I did reread Ninth House. I did the same thing you did. I, re- mm-hmm. I did it by audio because I wanted to prepare myself for Hellbent because I hadn't remembered much from Ninth House. And then proceeded did not go and read Hellbent right after. <laughs> no. <laughs> I still have not read Hellbent it's still sitting on my shelf so it was sort of a futile effort because I don't even know how much now I remember from listening to the audiobook I think I'll remember yeah. more like at some point I'll just, soon I'll pick up Hellbent and I don't think I need to reread again yeah. but anyway um, so my favorite reread I think this was this was really tough because like I said I reread a fair bit and I reread some books that I really loved um, but I went with Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins mm-hmm. Reid I did the audiobook of this. I had originally read the print version and I had heard the audiobook was really good. And I decided before the TV show came out that I wanted to refresh my memory about the story. Um, and the audiobook was amazing. So, so that was my pick. But I, The Gunkle is a close second. That was a book that was picked for oh, my book club. Yeah. So I decided to reread that. Um, but yeah, if you haven't read Daisy Jones and the Six, and are curious, I would highly recommend the audiobook. It's a full cast narration, so and it's an oral history, so it just lends itself really
1: well to, to listening to people tell the story. I had that on my list this year too because I wanted to watch the show yeah. and then got to neither of them. <laughs> so maybe, maybe I'll do that uh, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, that'd be good. All right, what was your biggest surprise of the year? surprising no one my biggest surprise was Legends and Lattes by Travis Baldry and so I've already talked about this book a ton I don't need to say anything else about it other than I feel like in the last few months I have defend I've had to like as I've talked about it I found that I've been defending my love for it in ways that I'm not totally comfortable with by by saying like well part of the reason I loved it was because I was in the, the middle of reading all this committee stuff and so it really just jumped out and and with such a breath of fresh air, which those are true, but I don't think that I need to, then, I think that downplays how much I think it's a good book. Right, and, yes. And that isn't fair to the book, where I, I, and I've done that, I was talking to a co-worker who's a big fantasy uh, reader who didn't like it, and I found myself doing that, and I thought, no, this, like, my reading experience is my reading experience. Right. I, don't, I don't need to say, well, I know it's, I, it, it's probably not good, but... No, I thought it was great. I thought it was super fun. And so that's, but I I 100% did not, I mean, I've texted you, I texted my sister, I texted all kinds of people saying, I don't understand what this book is doing to my brain right now, because it's, I didn't expect to like it. So so there was that one. And then um, Lady Tan's Circle of Women by Lisa C. I actually have never read a Lisa C. book before, even though I'm very, very familiar with her. And this is one that I just, A, I thought it was about something completely different. I She tends to write sort of early 20th century to World War II era books about Chinese women. Mm-hmm. And that was what I was expecting. I thought it would be another, like, here's a a woman in the early 20th century or late 19th century who who is a medical doctor and is defying society. And it's not that at all. It's about a, a woman, an aristocratic woman who goes into arra- an arranged marriage, but she has medical training from her grandmother and grandfather, they both are, are doctors and it but it takes place in 15th century china and so she goes into this arranged marriage and then continues to practice medicine but within the confines of of what she's expected to do but it also never questions those bonds that she Mm -hmm. has she's she's very it it isn't some here's someone who has 20th 21st century attitudes who's going into this this book and and changing everything she still is very of her time and so i just was super fascinated by that and and it's so detailed, and I really thought this would be sort of a that was fine, like a like a three and a half star book. But I ended up absolutely loving it, and just was completely riveted by the entire thing because Lisa C does her research really, really well, and it was it was just completely immersive to me. So that was a, a very pleasant surprise.
0: Yeah, I wanted to read that one. I don't. I feel like maybe I've read one Lisa C book, but I don't even know if I've read one. Either so, um, but I've heard lots of good things about this one. Uh, my biggest surprise was the undertaking of heart and mercy by Megan Yee. Megan Bannon. And this one, this I is know, a great book. Yes, and I know it, it was a reading list pick last year, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. to me, I was just at a bookstore one day, wandering around my local indie bookstore, and they have a shelf where all of their book clubs that meet regularly where they highlight what their pick is for that month. And so this one caught my eye, and I looked at the back of it, and I thought, well, that sounds kind of fun. It's sort of a fantasy, romance, historical fiction meld, I guess. and Western. Yeah, and Western a little bit. It's all kinds of stuff. And I just thought it was delightful. It was so much fun. Yeah. It was such a surprise. And I thoroughly enjoyed reading it. And I thought, I can't wait to see what she does next. And I think her next book comes out maybe this spring or summer. And I'm very excited for that. So yeah, that was just such a surprise. It was, I didn't know anything about the book. I didn't know anything about the author. It just looked and sounded interesting. So I gave it a shot and I loved it. And I love those kind of reading surprises. It's just, there's Mm -hmm. there's just nothing better than that. When you're reading a book with no expectations and end up really loving it. Okay, so next one, another category you like. What was your (laughs) least favorite
1: book of the year? ah it was fourth thing (laughs) so so kind of part of it part of it is that I went in with such high expectations and that's it's I don't think it's necessarily bad to go in with high expectations but I wanted to have sort of that reading experience that you get with epic fantasy YA where and I haven't had for a really really long time but that like 2009 era YA feeling of just diving into this world and and it being very fast paced and very um just gripping that was that was what i thought this would be and uh, but that is not at all what my experience was i i felt like i went into it with with very with a lot of goodwill i i was prepared to love this book and it took about 50 pages before i just thought this is not this is doing a lot of things that I think are are not very good. And I don't think it's, I, like all the things I had heard that made it great, I just didn't, I didn't agree with. And it also is colored by the fact that I knew that it would be a fraught discussion within our committee stuff. And I was, and it was, it was a it was a difficult book to discuss because people had such strong feelings about it. And that's always tricky when you're negotiating those conversations. And so reading it and getting deeper and deeper into it and knowing I couldn't vote for it was making me anxious. So that's, uh, to be fair, part of my experience. So um, I just, yeah, I didn't think it was great as a, as a romance. I didn't think it was great as a fantasy novel I just thought it was really lacking mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So, but no, I mean, people that loved it, you're 100% entitled to love it. Um, I am also entitled to not right. love it. Right. So, um, and then the other one I picked was The Scourge Between Stars by Ness Brown, because this is an, a sci-fi novella that I ended up having to read twice because I I read it and didn't like it. And then it, it got to uh, final discussions and I figured I needed to read it again. And both times I... It, it's like 150 pages and it took me like a week oh <laughs> to finish it both times uh, I even tried to listen to it the second time and do my my tactic of listening while cro- uh, cross stitching mm-hmm. and that has served me well with fantasy and sci-fi that's a little bit harder for me to get through and it still took me a week to get through it because I just kept I just was so bored mm-hmm. listening to it so uh so I I'm seeing least favorite because I had to put myself through it twice I, I feel yeah there. That would not that sounds unfun.
0: <laughs> my least favorite, and I, I hate to say this because it's a memoir, and so I always feel bad because this is somebody's story, but it was Mean Baby by Selma Blair. And we picked this for my book club, and I listened to the audiobook, which typically I love memoirs that are read by the author because they're, it's basically just sitting and listening to them tell their own story oh, but this did not work for me. I found her to be really kind of insufferable. And there were parts of the story where it was clearly an emotional time that she was reflecting on. And it sounded like she was forcing herself to cry as she would oh. read it. And so I it just felt all kind of manufactured. And I wanted to like it because she has a chronic illness. And I thought it would be an interesting look at what it's like to to be famous, and I just didn't like it. I didn't, I walked away not really having a very good opinion of her as a person. Uh, She does some very interesting kind of strange things that are really off-putting and laughs them off. And I don't know, I just did not, I did not like it. So that was Mean Baby by Selma Blair.
1: It's hard to read read memoirs and not judge people Mm -hmm. for their choices, agreed.
0: So we just talked about your expectations for fourth, Fourth Wing. What was a book that did live up to the hype for you?
1: Um, I really enjoyed How to Sell a Haunted House by Grady Hendrix. Um, I thought that it, I I know his style and I know that I'm pretty primed to like his books. Mm -hmm. But this one I thought particularly because it's dealing with um, how to deal with possessions after someone has died is something I, I think about a lot in and still dealing with 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 my mom and i loved the way that this this handled that but in a horror way because a lot of it is horror mm-hmm. <laughs> as right, you're yeah. trying to to grapple with all these emotions mm-hmm. and sort of the crushing uh weight of of how much there is to get through and and this was one that i i thought could have gone really poorly mm-hmm. and and really ended up doing a great job and and i had heard about it a lot before i read it and and was excited to get to it and it and it held up and then my other pick was Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin um this is one that that I have said many times how much I've I've hated some of her previous books Mm -hmm. and so I was a little nervous going into this Mm -hmm. book um but was completely blown away about by how great it was so um and I I knew that it was one you had already loved a lot and I and I trust your opinion on things and so I was it wasn't as though I thought this is going to this is inflated by popular opinion right. like I, I knew that you had really solid reasons for for thinking it was great and so i was happy that i had a similar experience to to that mm-hmm. um not not so much in a like oh this is a book for other people but i didn't love it personally mm-hmm. i i lo- loved yeah. it personally Yay. too so yeah so good yeah and then i also support your pick
0: yes yeah, so my pi- my pick is happy place by emily henry and this is just a matter of I love Emily Henry's book. So anytime I have an author that I really love, I always get slightly nervous. Like, it's it's equal parts excited when they have a new book coming out and then just a teeny bit anxious of thinking, oh, I hope I like it. I hope I like it as much as I've liked their previous books. And I had read some reviews of this book before it came out that there's a lot of focus on the friend's story. And so I thought, oh, am I going to like it as well if it's not solely focused on the romance? But I loved it. I loved it so much. So um for me that was that was personal height more than anything else yeah. like that I'd been told it was good because I read it right after it came out but it was just sort of mentally in my mind of thinking you know I'm so excited for this book it's probably my most anticipated book of it what or 2023 it was among the top ones I don't know I had several yeah, yeah, from yeah. 2023 okay what was the, be- the book that was the best distraction for you this year
1: I picked the last word by Taylor Adams and I I know I talked about this in another episode. I read this book where I was uh yeah, I read it I, I was in print during a breakup and this was not a breakup where I was sad. I was angry. <laughs> and so this book to me felt very it's it's not a soft book Mm -hmm. in any way there's there's a lot of dark stuff that happens in it and it's just a very bleak book Mm -hmm. um pretty much the entire way there's there's uh it ends well but there's a lot of bleakness Mm -hmm. to it for what's going on in the current time and also sort of the the character's back history Mm -hmm. and so and so it just fit my mood well for being just pretty mad Mm -hmm. and but also has such a propulsive plot that it was like oh I can revel in this feeling and not be thinking about the thing that's that's making me mad because I was so wrapped up in Mm -hmm. in the story itself so I feel like last year my best distraction book was also uh might be misremembering that but basically when I'm going through breakups that <laughs> those are those are the times that I I'm like oh this is very helpful it so is. and then then yours is not a book mine it, is an uh, author so yeah.
0: I had read Catherine Center's books several of them over the last few years and I always kind of liked them I thought they were good but I don't know that they stood out to me as anything special and then I read two of her books this year I read oh shoot I'm always blanking this name I always want to say it's Walking Back to Happiness, and that is not the title of the book. But I read Hello, Stranger, which was her new book. And I just thought it was so fun. So it was very predictable, but in a way that was just perfect. It made me smile, and, and I don't know, I just loved it. And so I, I went through her backlist and started reading her books. And so I would I got them from the library. And as whenever I needed something that was sort of like a surefire winner, like if I had something that... I had a busy week at work or there was a lot I, for whatever reason and I just wanted a book that I knew I was going to be able to get absorbed in and just sit and read it and be block out the rest of the world I could count on Catherine Center so I went back and mm-hmm. I read all of her uh, I think I still I, we've talked about this in another episode but I I think I have one of her backlist and then I have an advanced reader's copy of her upcoming book that I'm sort of saving until I need it for some for an occasion <laughs> like that, you know, where I just want to be kind of yeah. transported. So so yeah, not just a single book, but I, I'm going to put her in there. And I, I did want to just generally give her a shout out because I, she really was a great source of reading experiences for me in the past year. Mm-hmm. Okay, so did you have any reading slumps this year? Was there a book that helped Shape you out of it,
1: yes, so there was a period where I was trying to mainline science fiction to find a nomination. I don't know if anyone knows this, <laughs> but I don't like science fiction. <laughs> so it was I, I mean i I was trying to I was actively trying to find things that I thought would appeal to me, mm-hmm. and I read a lot of reviews and lots of things where I thought, oh, this has a take that is more something that would appeal to me, mm-hmm. but it still was very it was a, a pretty big slog for mm-hmm. me and the thing that was my repeat reprieve was homecoming by kate oh, Morton, so which i can't think of a better book yeah. to to this is, we have uh, our next category is most unputdownable mm-hmm. and this is one i thought of that of, for that category too because this is one that definitely kept me up way way past my bedtime mm-hmm. um because it's it's just from the very first paragraph you're just completely completely pulled in and it doesn't let go and it's a very big book and it still just never felt mm-hmm. like a like a chore to be yeah. reading it and so that for me was like oh I'm so happy mm-hmm. to, to be reading this instead of listening to more space yeah oh.
0: yeah so for me I was I didn't really ever have a reading slump this year I don't think but I did have a series of books that I read that were just fine. Like, they just fell into yeah. that, they're fine category. And I wanted something that was just going to shake that up a little bit. So I actually asked for some suggestions from a Facebook group that I'm in, and I got maybe five or six suggestions. And one of them was Adelaide by Genevieve Wheeler. And so I had that book. It was one of my book of the month picks, um, <laughs> circling back to my resolution. And so I thought, oh, well, I have that on my shelf. I'll read it. It just grabbed me right from the get-go, and I basically didn't put it down until I stopped or until I got to the ending and it's not like it's an action-packed book by any means but something about the writing style and the story just really helped helped get me over that well this book is fine feeling so Mm -hmm. um, I don't know that I've talked about it on, on any of our episodes but it's about basically a toxic relationship and so you're just reading it thinking oh no I see where this is going but I also kind of can't tear my eyes away from where it's going and so it was just a very propulsive story even though like I said not a ton of Adventure, or action, or anything, but just the the emotional part of it was very propulsive. Um, okay, so you yeah. so you mentioned our next category, most unputdownable. Tell me, I agree. I agree with both of these
1: that you have. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, So one was What Lies in the Woods by Kate Alice Marshall, and this is a, a thriller that um, is about a woman who goes back to her childhood home and relives a horrible crime that happened to her and her friends and starts to question what she remembers from that and we've seen that premise done quite a bit in the past few years but this is a book that I was like oh I can't wait to get home from work Mm -hmm. so I can go listen to this some more and um, I thought it was just a really really solid version of of domestic suspense and and something that we we think we know quite well at this point and and a lot of people sort of roll their eyes about about thrillers of of, like psychological thrillers um because they're so done uh and then to see something like this where it it really does have that power to to pull you into these characters lives and make you care and question the choices that they made and question what they're thinking and and what they remember and and i thought that was um I just thought it was really solid, and then Look Closer by David Ellis is another thriller that that now I can't remember the the plot of <laughs> at all, of course, but it's it's another thing where you, where everything that you think you know is not what you yeah. know, and so it was it was just a race to the end kind of book. So I know I know you liked both of yeah, these too, yeah. and so I was very happy when you. When you enjoyed them, because yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, these these aren't just me yeah. thinking. No, well, this was fine, Well, it Lies in the woods was funny to me because I
0: literally suspected every single character of right. being the bad person, and I right. don't. I think that was that is a signifier that it was really well done because you're just guessing the whole time, and yeah,
1: yeah. but it, it doesn't
0: take away from the enjoyment of the story that you're thinking, yeah. oh, maybe it's this person, maybe it's this person,
1: yeah. But it also had a point of view. Like yes. it wasn't just about like, oh, it could be this person. It had really um, smart things to say about childhood friendships and how they evolve over time. Mm-hmm. And and so I thought it to me it it, it was it was a standout yeah. of the year.
0: Okay, so my I have two here also and my first one is None of This Is True by Lisa Jewell. And that was one where I just did not see where it was going and it goes to a pretty dark place but um, I listened to the audiobook and it's always a sign to me when I listen to an audiobook that I'm finding excuses to do things around my house or take longer walks or whatever it might be just so Mm -hmm. I can listen and that's how this one was. I just kept wanting to listen to find out what revelation was coming next and I just thought it was really well done. And then my other one was Drowning by T.J. Newman which I know horrifies some people even the thought of reading this but it is about a plane crash where there are people there's an air pocket in the cabin of the airplane oh, and so as, the air, as the plane crashes into water and oh. as it's sinking there's this group of people that are trying to survive at the same time there are people trying to rescue them and it goes back and forth between the people inside the airplane and then the rescuers and it's probably completely improbable of how it all happens but you're reading it you're so absorbed in the story you don't even stop to think is this possible you just read it yeah. you know, it's just so talk about unputdownable it's definitely a one sit kind of read as you are just tearing through it to find out what's going to happen
1: oh my gosh i don't know that i could handle that in any in any capacity yeah it's, it's it's an intense book it really is but it was yeah. it was good
0: okay any better late than never books
1: books that came to you this year that you hadn't read when they came out yeah and I think you assigned both of them to me for my uh reading for my TBR episode um so I picked Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed and The Bear and the Nightingale by Katherine Arden and these are both books that I've had sitting for ages on my shelf and had was very very eager to get to them both and still just kept not having the mm-hmm. experience of of being able to prioritize them so um yeah and i, I loved both of them mm-hmm. i have to give my obligatory kylie reed is the most beautiful woman i've ever seen in person <laughs> uh statement because i say it every single time and then the bear and the nightingale is a is a book that i had tried to read once on vacation in the snow oh. and just um and loved the, reading it loved the start of it but then once I got home had to move on to something else Mm -hmm. and and so I was really happy to be able to go back to that and read it in the winter and be cozy and stuff so so yeah and then what were yours
0: so my first one was The Exiles by Christina Baker Klein this is historical fiction uh that was picked for my book club and I it almost made it onto my favorites of the year list it was very it was edged out very closely by uh, something else. it was just the epitome of a good historical fiction book, time, place, people that I didn't know about. I really loved it and it came out I don't know mid 2010 sometime, you know like 2015, 2016 somewhere in there. And then the other one was another book club book, My sister The Serial Killer by Oyankin Braithwaite. and I did not like this book. It was not for me. I am not a satire person, mm-hmm. but it had been on my to read list since it had come out, because it got lots of praise and um, was actually one of those women's fiction prize shortlist books that I had mentioned earlier. Oh, okay. So um, so I'm glad I read it. Um, again, better late than never, but not for me. <laughs> not for me. <laughs> All right, what book do you feel
1: like has stayed with you uh, throughout the year since you've read it? I picked The Museum of Ordinary People by Mike Gale, and I, I think I Talked about this on the podcast. Yeah. I've talked about it so much with other people that sometimes it's hard to remember where I've talked about it. But this is one that personally was very meaningful to me um, because it's it's about dealing with uh, loved ones' items after they've passed away and and sort of the heartbreak that comes from getting rid of physical things that that person has mm-hmm. owned or has given you. Um, and and as I've said, I'm I'm still still dealing with uh, the things mm-hmm. from my mother's house and and this to me just captured all of those emotions so 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 perfectly mm-hmm. and so i i know this is one i've recommended to my family and um and to other people who i know have lost uh parents mm-hmm. and and yeah just this this is one i didn't expect to love as much as i did because i i just i just thought i would like it mm-hmm. and then it just really 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 like found a home in my heart so yeah yeah I'll probably cry more thinking about Aww. it later.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, mine was also a sad one. Someday Maybe by Anya Nwabinelli, which I talked about in my favorites of the year. And I talked about other times. I think about that main character frequently. <laughs> I just think almost like she's mm-hmm. a real person to me. And I just think kind of like, I hope she's doing well. So yeah, yeah, it just really stayed with me. I read it last winter and um, yeah, stuck with me till the end of the year and made my fa- made my favorites list. Uh, was there a book, or were there several books that you didn't like, but then you did end up
1: liking? Uh, yes. So, um, just surprising to no one, they were sci fi and fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> so, the first one was The Deep Sky by Yumi uh, Kitasai And this is a book that is a space book. Um, book. And I don't normally love those very much, but this is, this had a lot of information about how they get to space. Like it goes back and forth in time and, and is about a contest to, to, um, or or more of a competition, I guess, to, to be a representative, to be a future member of a, of a society on a different planet. And so, yeah, I, I just, I thought it had a lot of depth. It it kept my interest. Um, I think this was the first book that I did my cross-stitching and listening, experiment with and was just really shocked at how engaged I was with it so I was I was very very surprised by that and then the other was Gods of the Weirdwood by R.J. Barker and this is if you can think of what epic high fantasy is like the epitome of it this is this book would fit with that it it should be nothing that I like and I actually listened to it and was shocked at how engaged I was with it um, I still don't know that it's a book that I would say like, oh, I can't wait to get to that sequel or anything, mm-hmm. um, along those lines. But I was, if, if, if you listen to the episode many, many years ago of when I tried to read Mistborn mm-hmm. and couldn't even talk about it because I was so bored, this is, this should have been something that wouldn't have appealed to me, but I thought it was just exceptionally well done. So even someone like me mm-hmm. can access it. So, hmm. Yeah
0: mine was a book about a man turning into a shark and i was like that's too weird for me and then i read all of these reviews actually not reviews i saw people that i follow on instagram and they would say you might think it's too weird for you but it's not and so i tried it (laughs) and it is a story of a man turning into a shark it's called shark heart by emily hayback but it's all about relationships and grief and how relationships change and how you deal with that. It's a very, very, very moving story, Um, and I did not expect to like it as much as I did, and I really loved it. That was my big, big surprise one of the year. Are there any authors you discovered and you are excited to read more from them?
1: Um, So I picked uh, Nalima Rao, who wrote A Disappearance in Fiji. I thought that book was just a really great start to a series, and, and how often do you read historical mysteries that are set in Fiji? I don't, so I think that that she has some good things coming to her. Um this is also the year that I finally discovered T Kingfisher, uh. which I think I'm the last <laughs> one to to have read any of her stuff, but I read like four of them, I think. We had we had a lot of them nominated this year um in both committees and or like both mm-hmm. years of the committee and their novellas and so they were e- it was easy to get through them mm-hmm. and I was just pretty blown away by mm-hmm. everything that I read. So um, so definitely looking forward to a lot more from her. And then I also picked um, the author of Emily Wilde's Encyclopedia of Fairies, who uh, her name is Heather Fawcett, and I just adored that book. I thought it was so fun and clever and witty. And um, and the sequel is coming out soon, and so I'm I'm very very excited to to get more of that world. The sequel's out. I have it for my library. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You yeah. said it is. Yep. I haven't um, read the first yet, yet, but I have it's... the sequel. <laughs> Yeah, I'm my my sense of time is yeah. apparently pretty screwed up. <laughs> okay,
0: so I have two romance rom-com authors, Sarah Adler who wrote Mrs. Nash's Ashes, which I loved, and Jessica Joyce who wrote You with a View, and I just thought they were really both fun great rom-coms I'm excited to see what both authors do next so I read when I looked back through my reading I read a lot from authors who I've read previously so I didn't have quite as many to choose from as I've had in other years but those two I was thinking oh yeah I'm definitely going to be reading their 2024 releases nice All right, what would you consider your hidden gems of the year?
1: So the first one is A Death in Denmark by Amulia Miladi. And this is a a mystery that is set in modern-day Denmark but is dealing with its history during World War II, which is very, 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 Danes are incredibly proud of their uh, resistance activities during World War II. And this is dealing with some things that are less reported Mm -hmm. than the sort of glorious things that happened. And so this is one that obviously has a lot of personal meaning to me but I thought was really well done Um, and then I also picked role-playing by Kathy Yardley which is a a romance and grumpy sunny uh, middle-aged rom-com and I just didn't see it a lot of places Mm -hmm. throughout the year and I uh, it actually ended up being the book that won our romance category and I nominated and I'm pretty stoked about it and was was I thought just something that was different from what Uh we see in rom-coms a lot of the time. And then I also picked Better the Blood by Michael Bennett, which is a thriller that takes place in New Zealand and deals with uh, Maori lands and is a a ritualistic serial killer who is taking revenge from wrongs in the past. And I didn't see that one a lot out there either. It it may get more attention uh, that I just haven't seen, but that one, our adrenaline category this year, and I just thought it was... Like to me, that was there was no question Mm -hmm. that it was the best adrenaline Mm -hmm. book uh, Uh, that I read this year. So, yeah, and it's kind of police procedural. Mm -hmm. Like, we had some debate about whether it was a mystery or adrenaline, um, but you find out in the middle who is doing the crime. So, Mm -hmm. there's not really a reveal in that way. But it's a smaller publisher. And so, I think that that's one that that just deserves Mm -hmm. all the
0: praise. So, I have two uh, one is series and one single book. So, my book is Talking at Night by Claire Daverly. And this reminded me. Quite a bit of Normal People by Sally Rooney, but with a a little less literary, maybe, or I don't know, just a, a a little warmer, I would say. But I loved it. It's about this teenage boy and girl who meet, and they just have kind of an instant connection, and then something happens that, not tears them apart, but just something happens that affects them, and then what happens following that? And they just, they feel this very intense connection to each other, but don't necessarily can't necessarily be together. So um, it was just really well done. Very emotional book. And I thought it was fantastic. And I didn't hear many people talking about it. My other one is kind of an older series. It's a Kate Claiborne series. And it's a three books about, I don't know if it's officially called the lottery series, but that's what I called it because it's about three <laughs> friends who win the lottery. But it's not, it's not enormous amounts of money, but it's enough for them to make certain decisions about their lives that because I have this extra money, I should say. These are really well-done romances. Kate Claiborne is an excellent romance author that I don't think is as well-known. I think if you like Emily Henry, you'd like Kate Kate Claiborne. She writes really good character-driven romances. So those were my Mm -hmm. two. In the lottery series, I don't know if it can be Considered a hidden gem of the year. It didn't come out this year, but I discovered it this year. So so I included yeah. it there. But yeah, those are... We don't have any rules on this. No, I so. know. Or so it's like, <laughs> whatever, fits. Um, So yeah, those were mine. Talked about audiobooks throughout this, but did you have a best audiobook experience that you want to share or something where you feel like the book... Was improved because you listened to it as an audio.
1: Yeah, so so both of the books I picked are things that are are that would the, the cultural elements of it came alive because of the audio experience. So I picked *Kala* by Colin Walsh, which is uh yeah I know you liked this one too. Um, and it's a mystery slash thriller. I didn't know where to put it, mm-hmm. but it's it's uh, set in Ireland in in a small town, and it's or a smaller city, mm-hmm. and it's it's just one of those books that you would read it and it would be good but hearing the different accents and the different types of accents that are used for different characters Mm -hmm. I thought really made it obvious who these people were Mm -hmm. um, as far as class went and and everything so so that was great and then Warrior Girl Unearthed by Angeline Bully was the the sort of sequel to Firekeeper's Daughter and there's just like hearing these names of locations and people and and concepts and, and cultural elements pronounced in the language mm-hmm. is so it just it made it come alive mm-hmm. to me so there is it's the Ojibwe tribe and it's just these are these are words that I have zero familiarity with and so I know reading them in print would have just sort of made my eyes go over them mm-hmm. it wouldn't have really registered and so I really really think her books are are elevated by uh, by being listened to.
0: Yeah, I read her first one and I feel like maybe audio would be the way to go in the second one for me. Mine was The Woman Me by Britney Spears, Ooh. narrated by Michelle Williams. It's a fantastic audiobook. And Michelle Williams basically becomes Britney Spears, but it doesn't doesn't sound like she's imitating Britney Spears, you just believe that she's Britney Spears. Wow. Yeah, it's a really good audiobook. It's pretty short too. It's only like five and a half hours, so you can get through it pretty quickly. Very sad book. I mean, I think if you paid attention this year at all to any reviews of this book you know it's, it's a little bit it's a little bit terrible um what yeah what uh, Britney Spears has gone through and what we as a society did to a 16 year old girl when she was becoming famous but it's an excellent audiobook highly recommend okay I know you love this category so much as do <laughs> I
1: what was your favorite non-book media property of the year I actually took notes this year as I was experiencing things because I'm like, I don't remember these at the end. So my number one is uh, Planet of the Bass by DJ Crazy Times, (laughs) which I don't know if you know this song. I don't know this. It was was an internet meme that is a song and music video based that's done in the style of like mid-90s Euro trash (laughs) music. And... It's so funny to me, and I I told people that I feel like the entire time, the entire reason I was meant to be an exchange student in 1997 was to prepare me to know how perfectly done this this song and video were, (laughs) because it, it nails, like, it brought back such nostalgia, and it's just this American comedian, like, he's in his 20s, and he created this song and video, and I just... I just have to read the words and I have it in my head for days because it's, it's such an infectious song. So I will definitely link to that. Um, And then of course I had to mention the era's tour movie because I saw it multiple times and who knew that I would sort of have this movie break my brain a little bit um, as not really thinking of myself as a, as as a Britney Spears, (laughs) as a Taylor Swift fan. Um, And this was sort of the year that I embraced feeling like, yeah, I'm a fan. And, And that's, that's who I, that's fine. Um, the movie is just so epic and I love, I love those feelings. I love event kinds of, kinds of experiences. And so, um, so I really enjoyed experiencing that with, with all these other people around the world and sort of seeing how people engage with the movie in, in person. It just made it very, very fun. But then, then she started dating Travis Kelsey. And now I think I'm not into her anymore because I just find him so deeply boring and unattractive that that now I'm like okay well that's done for me (laughs) probably not probably not but I do I do think that I was a little like oh (laughs) (laughs) Um, of course I have to mention Barbie um, along with everyone else and then I also um, I don't know if this counts because it's not something that came out this year but I had I saw two 1940s holiday movies this year like it was so stressful for me around Christmas, but I made it an effort to go to the art theater here that does a holiday movie series, and they showed *The Shop Around the Corner* and *Remember the Night*, which I would heard of one and not the other, but they're both I think were were released in 1940, and they're just they were just so charming and so like quaint and Christmassy and and very, very, very much put me in the holiday spirit when I had not really been um, just by virtue of being so stressed out from committee reading. So um, yeah, so that was that was a great discovery. And then I just have to give a shout out to Bob's Burgers because I finally started watching it this year um, as part of the, the relationship that had the breakup that needed distracting from. That was one good thing that came from the, the relationship was I became a Bob's Burgers fan. <laughs>
0: I've never seen that show. Okay, well, I didn't put it on my list, but hearing you talk, I was like, well, of course, seeing Taylor Swift in person was the highlight of my non-big entertainment. And then, and the movie, too, but seeing her in person. Okay, Lessons in Chemistry, Daisy Jones and the Six, were two wonderful TV adaptations this year, I thought. Loved them both. The Bear, season two, was amazing. We just discovered The Great Canadian Bake Off not too long ago and have been mainlining episodes uh i think we're on season four or five now we've just been going through them and then two podcasts i wanted to give a shout out that i discovered this year also not new this year just i discovered them one doesn't even make new episodes anymore but its first draft was sarah Enny. she is an author herself but she interviews other authors and there's a whole back catalog that i went through and listened in mostly just to authors that I knew. Uh, lots of YA mm-hmm. authors, too. She asked them interesting questions about how they get started and their writing process, and I don't know, it was just very very informative but entertaining podcast about books and writing, and I found it fascinating. And then the other one is a Sentimental Garbage podcast, which I discovered sort of towards the end of the year, and it's another author as <laughs> the host, Caroline O'Donohue, who wrote The Rachel Incident*, which I loved. And she brings people on to talk about topics that have been considered sort of fluff, particularly things that women like. So things like Mm -hmm. movies like You've Got Mail or Sleepless in Seattle, Chiclet Books, they did, uh, I think it started actually almost as like a book club where they would read Chiclet and then talk about it. And they take it seriously. So it's like, it's not just oh, this is fun. It's like they talk about why it has meaning to people, why it resonates with people. And it's really fun and it's entertaining. And she brings on a lot of people that she clearly knows personally. So there's a lot of just kind of casual conversation too, which I find enjoyable. So so those were mine. Those are all good picks. Thank you and then I feel like I
1: know your answer for this one but what book did you recommend (laughs) the most this year? So I actually so formally the book I recommended the most was Last to Leave the Room by Caitlin Starling. That was the book that I think I had the most to say about how interesting it is and how weird it is and had the most um, discussion points to give to people but informally it was Legends of the Yes, obviously. (laughs) And mine was
0: Tom Lake by Anne Patchett. Uh, no surprise there either. I loved that book. Talked about it a lot. All right. Well, that's it for our superlatives. Yay. We will be right back with what we're reading this week.
1: All right, Anne, what are you reading this week? I am listening to Stateless by Elizabeth Wien. And we haven't talked about Elizabeth Wien in a really, really long time. Um, but she is a book or she's an author that we both have enjoyed very mm-hmm. much in the past because she write, she wrote uh, Codename Verity. And much like uh, all of her other books, it is set in World War II era Europe, and is about flying in airplanes and young women flying. And so I sort of like that she knows her lane and she does interesting things with it and tries different things within th- that interest. But she, but you know, you know Elizabeth Wien book when you mm-hmm. when you come across one. So this one is actually a murder mystery, which i personally love to see in this the setting so set before the war in 1937 and it's about a young woman named stella north who has been chosen to represent the uk in an air race for young people across europe and so each country has sent a different um person and it's supposed to be this this um like peace building activity um kind of like in an in an olympics sort of deal where there's a competition and they're clearly trying to win but they but it's meant to be look at all these nations coming together um, especially right before the brink of war so she is a relatively inexperienced flyer um, as are most of these people that that are part of the race they've only all of them for the most part have been flying for uh, a couple of years at most except for one young man who is an representing France but he is was raised in both Germany and Spain but trained in the United States and so he has this very strange background and his name is Tony he and Stella get off to a very rocky start at the very beginning of the race because she's trying to get away from reporters and jumps into his plane and at just as about as he's about to take off and so he, she's aware of his skill as a flyer because he has actually been training for seven years. And so he's able to do all these tricks and, and maneuvers that she can't do and, and are very astounding to her. But he's very distrustful of her and, and is very abrasive toward her. And she doesn't really understand why. So she's the only female pilot in this race. And so there, there comes a lot of issues with um, the way she's treated compared to the other um, male flyers but she is very invested in showing that she is is um that she should be there so as the race gets started they're they're going from the united kingdom to um uh as their first leg. and as she's flying over the english channel she sees two planes ahead of her um they, they sort of did a staggered uh takeoff and she realizes that she's caught up with two planes but they're clearly doing some sort of evasive maneuvers regarding each other. They're they're clearly in some sort of dogfight sort of situation. And so as she's watching this, one of the planes starts to go into a spin and crashes into the English Channel. And so she's completely shocked and uh, tries to see what happened and look for the pilot. And it's clear that this person has died. And so as she gets, at, when she lands and she tries to look to see who else is there, um, it becomes clear to her that that something bigger is going on that she isn't aware of something that's beyond this this race and that there are a few other um, odd occurrences that are that don't really make sense in what she's been told about this race so um, this is just it, it's a YA book and uh, one of the things I love about Elizabeth Ween is that she that they're YA but they're there's nothing that ever is so like YA kind of gets a bad rap for being angsty and her books never feel so angsty that adults will Kind of roll their eyes at them. (laughs) Like it's very easy for me to forget that I'm that this is a why this is meant for for young adults So, um, so so far I'm I am not very Uh far into it. There's some secrets that are being alluded to at the beginning of the book as far as Stella's uh, uh, nationality and um, I just think that there's a lot that's going to come out and be teased out in this book that will be very interesting. So that is Stateless by Elizabeth Ween.
0: That sounds really interesting. Okay, so mine is actually a series, but I'm just going to talk about the first one. It is the Throne of Glass series by Sarah J. Moss. And I'm not really sure why I dove into this series, I will be honest. I read the first one... years ago I want to say probably 10 years ago and I liked it just fine I looked back at Goodreads I gave it three stars but for some reason something must have come across my radar and made me think that I should give this series another shot so I put the first one on hold because I don't remember any of it or didn't remember any of it so I put it on hold at the library took a couple months for it to come in read it thought well this is fabulous this is so fun this is like you were saying about that 2010 YA fantasy that you were hoping fourth wing would be, I thought this is exactly what this is. I mean, it's just fun. And so I, I rarely do this, but I immediately went on to the second book at the end of the first book. And then I finished the second book. I immediately went on to the third book. And I just do not do that. I always have so many books I want to read. I mix it up. If I read books by the same author back to back, I start noticing their quirks and the way they write certain things. And so I just prefer to keep them separated. But for some reason with this series, that did not happen. Uh, I am now four books into the series. Oh, wow. And I read those all in a week. And then my family was coming to visit. So I decided to pause uh, and read some other stuff because I knew when I started what the next book that I have to read, from what I can tell, is a lot of people's favorite book in the series. So I thought once I start reading that, I want to be able to just read it, not have to be putting it down a lot or just only reading in little small bits. So I I decided Mm. to wait. Anyway, I'm going to tell you what the first book is about. It is about a girl named Selena Sardothian. Have you read this, by the way? Mm -mm. Okay. Uh, So she is a teenager. She is in a prison camp and it's it's in salt mines. So it's like physical labor that she has to do. And all you really know about her, you don't know much, you get little hints about her background. But you know that she was a deadly assassin and a very well-known person in the land or in the country where they live Um, and that her parents are dead and that she was raised by a well-known assassin to be incredibly skilled and so that's kind of all you know about her and then one day the prince and the captain of the king's guard show up at the prison camp and say to her we have an opportunity for you to get out of this prison camp and if you agree to come and compete against 23 other people to be the king's champion which would basically be like the king's enforcer like for whatever he needs enforced then we will reduce your sentence and you'll serve out the rest of that time in the king's court as his enforcer versus in this prison camp so she's sort of like well that's There is no choice, right? Like, I I have to do this. She thinks, I have to do this if I have any chance of being free ever again. And so she goes along, and then the book follows what happens during this competition where she has to compete against these other people. But then the series takes off, and it becomes so that's a pretty (laughs) simple premise and actually kind of common in YA fantasy, some sort of competition sort of like the hunger games right you're competing against other Mm -hmm. people but then each book after that gets more complex more characters are introduced you learn more about the characters you meet in the first book as the series goes on and the relationships kind of evolve and change and um I don't know I'm four books in I'm (laughs) knee deep I'm loving it it's so there's just something about it that's very addictive um if you've heard of A Court of Thorn and Roses, this is the same author that wrote that series. I am enjoying it much more than A Court of Thorn and Roses. Oh, I think interesting. that A Court of Thorn and Roses, a lot of people have loved that series. Um, it's very steamy. And I think that's what a lot of people like about A Court of Thorn and Roses. Mm-hmm. This is not, at least so far, halfway through. And it definitely feels more YA in that sense in that it's not, there is romance, there's, there are romance subplots to it, but that is not the focus, whereas I feel like her other series that I've read, A Court of Thorn of Roses, is. Um, so if that was not your cup of tea, I would definitely recommend trying Throne of Glass because it doesn't have that same sense of the spiciness, the, the sexual, yeah. s- sexually explicit parts. So I'm really excited. I think this afternoon I'm going to start the fourth book, fifth book. Wait, now I can't think where I've read four of them, and I think there are eight. So yeah, it would be the fifth. I'm very excited. It's it, it's been a long time since I've or a series has captured my attention in this way, which is just a fun experience. Like it's fun to yeah. think, oh, I have so many more books in this world that I get to enjoy. Yeah. Uh, so that is the
1: Throne of Glass series by Sarah J. Moss. I saw a very fascinating video once. I think it was TikTok a TikTok I'm not sure I I almost never go on TikTok Mm -hmm. and so I'm not sure why I saw this but it was talking about the different ways you can read the series and like which one this person was recommending. And, and I guess this all comes from the fandom of these are the different takes that you can get from from it based on these different ways of reading it. It was so fascinating to me. And it made me, like I've wanted to read the series, mm. but it definitely made me want to read it more because of the way that she was saying, you'll get this from yeah. it if you do this book first. You'll get this if you do it this way. And Interesting. I thought that was... All
0: right, well, that was a long one. <laughs> uh, if you are still with us, we hope you enjoyed this. We would love to hear what your... Superlatives of 2023 were, or what your reading resolutions are for 2024. uh, You can reach us at wellreadpod at gmail.com or find us on Facebook or Instagram at wellreadpodcast. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your other podcast provider of choice. Our theme music is Kitten by Poddington Bear. We keep our show notes at wellreadpodcast.wordpress.com where you can find a listing of every book. Thank you all for listening. Happy reading and uh, belated happy.